Welcome to the Real Estate Espresso Podcast, your morning shot of what's new in the world of real estate investing. I'm your host, Victor Manesh. This is the weekend edition where we interview notable people from the world of real estate investing. Today is no exception. We have a great guest all the way from Los Angeles, California. Welcome to the show, Bronson Hill. Hey, Victor. How's it going? Excited to be here. Great to have you here. Now, Bronson, you've been at this game and you've got a number of family members who are very successful, very established developers, owners of thousands of units of apartments, and you're a relatively new player in this, but you have been studying from the best. Why don't you give a little bit of your backstory and how you got to this point in your journey? Yes, thanks. So uh, I was a well-paid medical sales professional, would go into surgery and work with physicians. And uh, I saw a lot of physicians were not financially free. They were making sometimes millions of dollars, but uh, they didn't have control of their time. So uh, it really led me down a path of trying to discover how to become financially free. Um, And I learned about syndication, about raising money for real estate deals. Now we've uh, raised about $30 million to uh, buy over 200 million in multifamily assets. And so we've raised about 13 million in the last 12 months. That's fabulous. That's, that's, wow. Talk about making really good moves as a relative rookie in this business. Uh, You've done extraordinarily well. That's, that's fabulous. Congratulations. Well, thanks so much. Yeah, I think uh, a lot of people, um, you know, it's amazing. Everything we need is out there if we just look at kind of what people are doing that are successful. So when I watch what you're doing, watch, you know, obviously listen to this podcast, like how your listeners are doing, and just go to great events and get around people. Nothing is really new. It's just trying to be somebody who's a learner and just sees how people are bringing value to others. And if I can do that as well, people find a great trust in bringing value. So if you can bring a great piece of content, great podcast, a show, go to an event, find a way to help somebody. It's amazing what doors can open. Apart from the technical aspects of this kind of work, which for many people seems inaccessible, one of the things that people rarely do is embrace the marketing aspect, which is, and and to me, marketing is the process of generating interest. And you, you can overdo it, and it becomes this narcissistic look at me thing, which I think is pretty distasteful. I like the way you've approached it. You focused on educational marketing and you've put yourself out there in a way that I think is adding value. Uh, Talk a little bit about that. Yeah, so I think when I first started, I was trying to figure out what can I do that really is unique? Because there's so many people doing real estate, there's so many people doing syndication. And what I realized is that people that are highly successful, people like Ken McElroy or Michael Blanc or, you know, I don't know, people like Harry Dent that talk about inflation and other things, they're always looking for ways to promote their brand. So what I could do is if I could create a great event where I could have hundreds of people there or maybe even thousands of people on a replay on YouTube, and I would just host an event and ask really intelligent questions and invite my investors network of a few thousand people that they would get a lot of value out of that. So I found that that has been a huge way to grow my network because uh, everybody that loves Ken McElroy will then end up joining this event and then they get them getting on my list and and joining our deals and all those kind of things. So it's really been great to try to figure out what what is it somebody that is highly successful, what do they need? And most of the time, especially their influencers, they want more influence. So if I can try to find a way to help them get where they want to go, then it also helps me out as well. That's fabulous. Now, we're obviously in changing market conditions. You've raised a lot of capital over the last couple of years. What's been your experience, let's say the last 90 days? Because I think the, the world has changed a bit. 
Yeah, so things have changed quite a bit. Um, the last uh, last few months, um, we had a very large deal. We had a little trouble kind of getting to closing on that just because um, it got harder. A lot of investors right now are just kind of worried and or confused. A confused mind will just say, wait, or I'm not sure what to do. And so, um, you know, we, we feel like it's getting twice as hard to raise the same amount of money. And honestly, you're needing about twice as much money to close often because of the loan to value changes. So uh, it has been challenging. We've also kind of looked at, you know, recently we've, we've We've gone into ATM machine funds. There's the fifth largest operator of ATMs in the country, so we're working with them, and we've been able to raise a lot of money recently for that. So some of the things around real estate or other things that are passive investments that don't involve an interest rate risk have been uh, pretty attractive right now. Very interesting. So, yeah, like you said, loan-to-value changing, cost of capital is increasing. Certainly on the debt side, are you seeing the cost of capital raise on the equity side? Um, yeah, I mean, I think when you look at cost of capital, especially on the equity side, um, you know, I, I think of, you know, what does it take to raise that money? What does it take to get the money? And when it takes you, you know, it's basically four times as hard because of the, you know, inability to raise as much or to be work harder to get that money, as well as um, to really increase you know, just, it's just on both sides, it's harder. But I think the challenge when it comes to a lot of people, probably a lot of listeners too, is when, when we're confused, if we're holding cash right now, I've, I honestly believe the inflation rate is not eight or 10%. I believe it's 15 to 18%. So if we wait two years, we could be losing 35 to 40% of our purchasing power of, of our wealth. So I think that's kind of the other side of it as well as the, the compared to what question, right? If I hold money, what am I, what's actually happening to it? And if I can deploy it, I love being personally in, in assets such as multifamily because the demand is is continuing to rise. I think rents are going to keep rising because uh, just for many reasons, shortage of supply and if you're buying in the right markets. And so, but yeah, it, it is interesting with uh, looking at multifamily deals right now. A lot of people have kind of stopped doing it, but I, I think there's always opportunities in any market if we're open to it. The whole question of rent growth, salaries have not kept pace with inflation. For people who haven't changed jobs, their salaries have gone up, their, their wages have gone up about four and a half percent for folks that are jumping to a new position. There was a study put out by the Atlanta Fed in the past week that said they're getting about a six and a half percent increase. Clearly, both are far less than the rate of inflation. So at a certain point, the ability to raise rent becomes limited. And how are you modeling that in your analysis? What assumptions are you making? And what happens if you hit the ceiling on affordability? Yeah, affordability really is important. We're seeing that in single family, especially too. People just can't afford the payment on homes anymore. So home prices in general, at least where I live in California, are coming down a bit. Um, the area we really focus on for multifamily has been Jacksonville, Florida, which uh, just rents, you know, they have. They've, in the last 10 months, they've grown 19%. So they've grown a lot. Um, but what's happening is there's 20,000 new people showing up in Jacksonville every single month. And these are typically people from, you know, Chicago or New York or other northern areas. And a lot of people are retirees. So a lot of retirees that move, um, they have either some sort of retirement or other sort of income coming in. It's still relatively affordable. If you look at the average cost of housing, where I live in Pasadena, it's 1.2 million. Well, in Jacksonville, it's 311,000. So we're still at a place that we're buying class C multifamily apartments for about 160,000 or so per door, where the replacement cost might be 190 or 200,000. It's hard to tell exactly what replacement costs are. But um, you know, at some point, affordability does get to be an issue. But when you're buying below replacement costs, they're still fairly reasonable compared to other markets. Um, we feel pretty good about it just because of the continued flow of, of, of population that's coming to the area. 
Well, that is absolutely the key. I'm a huge believer in the laws of supply and demand, and I want to see that influx of population, want to see that influx of employment, and want to see that demand-supply imbalance persist for a, a good long time. And certainly there's a number of communities in Florida that are seeing that Rust Belt to Sun Belt migration. Certainly over the last two years, the pandemic has, has amplified that. Do you see a scenario where that growth may slow down? Yeah, it's, it's a good question. Um, you know, I think in general, um, I love the Sunbelt states because um, I think more than ever we're having, you know, it's talked about in groups we hang out with the silver tsunami. A lot of people are retiring demographically. There's so many people that want to live in a warmer place or maybe have a second home. And for every person that moves to these areas as a retiree, they need healthcare services and they need somebody cleaning the house. They need retail. They need all these different services. And those are really people that we're supporting, right? We're doing C-class or B-minus apartments. So, you know, could it slow down? It could, but then again, I'm, I'm meeting more and more people that in California or other places that are moving to places like Jacksonville or, or Texas or Arizona because they can, because it's cheaper, because they can work remotely. There's just more work options kind of than ever. So, you know, when you can pay no state income tax in Florida, you can live in Florida at a cheaper level than Miami or Orlando and still have a pretty good, I mean, I've been spending quite a bit of time in Jacksonville. I really like it. I, I mean, I'd live there if I didn't live in LA, but uh, it's, it's definitely a nice area. But, you know, that, that's something we, we watch and we try to keep an eye on. But over the last several years and really over the last... 12 years, we've seen kind of a one to one and a half percent population growth per year, which is pretty healthy. Yeah, that's certainly at the high end of the spectrum in terms of population growth. If you consider even on a national basis, the average is closer to one percent, one and a half percent, you're definitely at the high end of the spectrum. So that that's awesome. Well, Bronson, if folks want to connect, if they want to learn more, what's the best way? Yes, I love connecting with individuals. Um, I have a free ebook that I wrote called How to Use Inflation to Your Advantage, and it's 50 color pages. You can download it at my website, bronsonequity.com. Fantastic. Love catching up with you here in person. We're here in Dallas together. For the listeners at home, definitely connect with Bronson at bronsonequity.com. Download his ebook, and in the meantime, have an awesome rest of your weekend. Go make some great things happen. We'll talk to you again tomorrow. 